Hello and welcome to LTC DON Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Directors of Nursing Services, AADNS. I'm your host, Rebecca, and I'm here today with Curriculum Development Specialist Alexis Rome to talk about some highlights from the August 13th and 14th CMS SNF QRP training. Welcome, Alexis. Thank you, Rebecca. During this podcast, it's my pleasure to review some of the highlights from three of the QRP training sessions. I would also encourage you to access the video recording, slides, and handouts that CMS will be posting soon on the Smith QRP training website should you have additional questions or want more detailed explanations regarding changes to various sections of CMDS, including section GG. So the first session I'll be highlighting is one that Alice Smith presented, and in it, she reviewed the current Smith QRP measures that are assessment-based or generated from the MDS assessment data. They include the following, application of falls with major injury, application of functional assessment with a care plan, change in self-care score, change in mobility score, discharge self-care score, discharge mobility score, pressure ulcer injury, and drug regimen review, or DRR. She reminded us that four of these measures were actually finalized in the fiscal year 2018 PPS final rule, and they include the change in self-care score, change in mobility score, discharge self-care score, and discharge mobility score. Section GG assessment data is used to calculate these measures, and it's basically determining the level of improvement from admission to discharge. Next, the changes in skin integrity post-acute care measure has replaced the percent of residents or patients with pressure ulcers that are new or worsened measure. The data collection for this measure started quarter four of 2018, and providers can see initial reports in the summer of 2020. She also explained the DRR measure, which asked if a DRR was conducted at the time of admission and timely follow-up with a physician occurred each time potential or actual clinically significant medication issues were identified throughout the stay. This measure was adopted to meet the requirements of the Impact Act domain of medication reconciliation. Ms. Smith indicated there were several questions surrounding this QN and defined what DRR is as it relates to QRP. A DRR includes medication reconciliation, a review of all medications a resident is currently using, and a review of the drug regimen to identify and, if possible, prevent potentially clinically significant medication adverse consequences. The DRR includes all medications prescribed and over-the-counter, nutritional supplements, vitamins, and homeopathic and herbal products administered by any route. It also includes TPN and oxygen. She noted the SOM requirements are different than the QM requirements. In short, the SOM requires a monthly DRR be conducted by a pharmacist, and the QRP-QM requires a DRR be completed upon admission with physician follow-up. 
Providers should have policy and procedures outlining how they accomplish the requirements and whom is involved. Stepping away from QRP and regulatory requirements, as a DNS, we need to think about what's in the best interest to the patient and who can deliver the care and services to best support the resident. Medication errors are a significant problem, and the regulation found in the SOM, as well as the QRP, QN measure is intended to support patient safety. Ms. Smith also reviewed the three claims-based measures, which are Medicare spending per beneficiary, discharge to the community, and potentially preventable 30-day post-discharge readmission. As a reminder, CMS reiterated the QRP measures are available on the Nursing Home Compare website under additional measures. I found the value of this session was the instruction explaining each measure. If you want to learn more about how these measures are constructed, I encourage you to listen to this training. Thank you, Alexis. Listeners, please stay tuned while we take a quick commercial break. Did you know that AADNS offers an advanced education and certification program for nurse leaders? The DNS Certified Program is a 10-module course that provides you with the regulatory and management knowledge missing from most nursing school programs. Learn more at aadns-ltc.org backslash dns-ct. Welcome back. Let's continue our discussion with Alexis Rome about the SNF QRP training by CMS. Thank you, Rebecca. Jen Pettis presented an excellent session on how to access, review, and use the SNF QRP reports available in CASPER. The reports include the SNF facility level QM report. This report contains NDS assessment-based and claims-based QM data and provides the observed and risk-adjusted rate along with the national observed rate. The SNF provider preview report is automatically generated and displays the facility-level QM data that will be posted on Nursing Home Compare. The SNF resident-level quality measure report identifies the resident and indicates if they triggered or did not trigger the QM. The SNF review and correction report has been enhanced to include the addition of a resident level data table to supplement facility level data for assessment-based QMs. Also, the ability to sort resident level data and the ability to request reports by individual QMs has been added. The Provider Threshold Report displays the percentage of each resident assessment meeting the data completion threshold, the number of successfully submitted resident assessments, and the number of resident assessments meeting the data completion threshold. These are for the assessment-based QM measures only, not claims-based measures. CMS also warned there are limitations with the Provider Threshold Report noting this report does not display the total number of assessments that meet compliance requirements. All these reports should be used in conjunction with each other when reviewing. After reviewing the reports and how they can be utilized, she stressed you must still have processes in place to audit NDS assessments for accuracy. I found the value of this session was the tutorial on how 
to review what each of the reports contains and how to access them, but also how to actually use them in your practice. So if you don't have a solid process in place to utilize the QRP reports, I would encourage you to access this training and work through the case study she presented. I think you and your team will find it very beneficial. The final session I'll be highlighting is called PDPM, What is Changing and What is Not? It was presented by John Kane and was an excellent overview containing some key points the DNS will find applicable and insightful. He stressed PDPM acknowledges the uniqueness of each patient or resident and how these are currently used to drive payment rather than therapy minutes being the primary driver. He compared two patients and illustrated that therapy minutes and Section G ABL score drive payment but ignore comorbidities, diagnosis, cognition, and swallowing to name a few. It was also interesting to note CMS expects PDPM will support the care of clinically complex residents. One example is the inclusion of non-therapy ancillary component to PDPM. One of the common questions and discussions surrounding PDPM is documentation. Mr. Kane noted that given the more holistic approach at the core of PDPM, program and integrity and data monitoring efforts will be more comprehensive and broad. However, CMS expects risk related to audits like RAC will be more easily mitigated to the extent reviews focus on clearly defined aspects of payment. For example, if the provider codes a diagnosis of major joint replacement, the reviewer should be able to verify the patient received a major joint replacement. Another common discussion surrounding PDPM is the questions of coverage and skilled care requirements. There are three things that do not change with PDPM and include what is covered, what you should document, and what care the patient needs. Again, these requirements do not change. The final point I'd like to convey from Mr. Kane's presentation was the emphasis on value-driven care. He defined value as a balance between the quality of care and the cost of care, going on to say efficient providers are those who are able to deliver high quality care for low cost. A primary example of this is the incentive to provide high volumes of therapy, and these are eliminated with PDPM and replaced with identifying patient characteristics for each individual. So the determination of therapy, nursing care, et cetera, is driven by patient needs rather than volume of service. This really does realign the relationship between payment and quality in that if a patient doesn't need high volumes of therapy, but rather they are more clinically complex, requiring a greater emphasis on nursing, PDPM will capture this, reflect this in the payment as long as the MDS assessment is coded to accurately reflect the patient. I found the value of this session was to gain an overall understanding of PDPM, but beyond that was to hear how CMS expects this to realign payment and quality as well as what does not change. Um, the SNF QRP training site will make this session available for viewing soon. 
And so you'll just want to go to the SNF QRP training website. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. Thank you, Alexis. Listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future update. Also, for more resources and tools, visit the AADNS website at www.aadns-ltc.org. Thank you.